text. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, here at Calvary Chapel, we just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, right through the Bible, because nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian, and so we teach the whole counsel of God. I want to encourage you to tune in on Thursday night. We will be in 2 Samuel chapter 11, a story you're familiar with, David and, David and Bathsheba. So I encourage you to tune in at 7 o'clock on Thursday night as well as we go verse by verse through the Old Testament. And let's take a look here at Colossians 3, but before we do, let's open up with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. You are indeed a great and awesome God, and as we go to your word right now, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Lord, we don't want the words of man, we want the word of God. We thank you for the living, breathing word of God. We thank you that it's not only, not only do we read it, but it reads us. And Lord, I just pray that we would be impacted by your word, that we'd be strengthened in our walk with you. Help us, Lord, to take our eyes off the things that are temporary and put our eyes on the things that are eternal. Lord, be our teacher this morning. Give us ears to hear. Make it this the most attentive hour of our week. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. So, to catch you up quickly, the book of Colossians, a letter, it's actually a letter, was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossae. He wrote the letter. This church, had, he had never attended in his life, but he got word back that this church was probably uh, created or founded, planted out of, out of the church in Ephesus. The church is about six years old, and already the word is coming back that there's a lot of compromise in the church. Here at Calvary Chapel, uh, Calabasas, our church is now seven years old. So imagine if you know, word got out that, hey, you've got false teachers coming in. There's people that are putting their faith in astrology. There's people that are putting their, that's saying you got to keep the law on top of the gospel to truly be born again. There were the Gnostics who said there was this mysterious truth that only they had, and you had to follow that truth as well. Guys, there's nothing new under the sun. There's still people today adding to the simple truth of the gospel. Guys, the word of God is sufficient. We don't need any new truths. If it's new, it's not true. Amen. If it's true, it's not new. We don't need the prophets blowing into town that have some new word for us. Guys, we already have 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents in three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. It's only possible because God wrote it. We need to study the word of God, not follow after the words of men. I want to encourage you. You want to, you want to quit being discouraged right about now? Turn off CNN and MSNBC and all the social media and open up the Bible because in the end, God wins. Can I get an amen to that? He's not surprised by this pandemic. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. Well, the church in Colossae was losing their way. They're putting their focus on a lot of the wrong things. In the first two chapters, he really emphasizes the preeminence of Jesus Christ. See, when you're worried, when you're fearful, when you're anxious, when you're distracted, you know what you need to be reminded of? God's in control. Can I get an amen? That Jesus Christ is God, that he's faithful, that we can trust him. And he talks about, I'll just go through these briefly because they bear repeating. These things just in the first two chapters of Jesus. He alone is God. He is divinely unique. He is our source of redemption and forgiveness. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He is the creator and the one through whom all things were created, one for whom all things were created. He's the head of the body. He is the, he is the image of the invisible God. He holds all things together. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from among the dead. In him, all, again, fullness dwells. Through him, all things are reconciled. In him, we are... Uh, 
all, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him, all the fullness dwells of the bodily form of God. And again, Christ in us, the hope of glory. He says in chapter 2, in the first half, more than a dozen times, in him, in him, in him. Because guys, our hope is found in him. It's not found in the government. It's not found in our bank account. It's not even found in our health. It's found in the Lord. So the first two chapters, he's reminding them. He's drawing them back to the simple truth of the gospel. He's reminding them that it's about the preeminence of Christ. We have redemption in him. He is the creator of all things. He is our source of hope. So when we pick up in chapter three, now he goes from talking about who we are in Christ and who Christ is, and where our focus needs to be, and the simplicity of the gospel. And now in chapters 3 and 4, he's going to be talking about how do we now respond? How should that impact our lives? Boy, it couldn't be any more appropriate for us today. How should our lives be impacted based on the truth of who Jesus is, what he has done, what he has done for us, the fact that he lives inside of us? How should you and I be different than people all over the world that are panicking right now? or anxious, or are fearful, or don't have much hope. In the last few days, I've had more than about a half a dozen of my customers, most of you guys know I have a full-time job, who have called me, who are, are panicking, that are concerned, that are fearful, that are worried. And you know what we do? We just take them to the Word of God. Amen? And the same is true for all of us this morning. And I pray this is so appropriate. So if you have the outline, uh, you can follow along. If not, I'm going to read it to you. And I titled this, this message this morning, I titled the message, A Heavenly Perspective. And we need to have a heavenly perspective. You know, there's a pandemic down here. Has anything changed in heaven? Is God still on the throne? Is he still the king of kings of all the saints that have gone before us? Are they still around the throne singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come? Are they still singing praise songs in heaven? Is God still faithful? Are the angels worried? No, neither should we be. And we need to have a heavenly perspective. So again, I tell it the heavenly perspective, living in light of eternity. We've got three points. I don't know if we'll get through all of them or not. Got a lot of pages of notes. We'll see. You know what? I can go along today. Where are you going? You got nowhere to be. You, you got to wear a mask and go to Costco. Just stay home. Amen? Can I get an amen? So, three points. First of all, set your mind on things above. Having a heavenly, eternal perspective. Because we were raised with Christ, we've been made alive in Him. He tells us to seek those things which are above. I love one of my favorite Bible verses we all should be mindful of. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. See, the one thing that we can do, the one thing we must do, the one thing we need to do is to focus on the Lord, set our mind on Him, and He'll take care of the rest of it. So not only do we set our mind on things above, but now we need to put off the old man. See, as new creations in Christ, we should be different. The Bible says when we're born again, we become new creations. We're born from above. And so since we've been born from above, since we are new creations in Christ, we should not be the people we used to be. I'm not saying we won't still struggle with sin because we do. We still live in this flesh. But we need to put the old man to death. We need to put off the old man. Put to death the fleshly things in our lives that are contrary to our identity in Christ. A heavenly focus should impact our earthly actions, and we are dead to sin and alive to Christ. And then finally, if we get there uh, this morning, put on the new man. So we got a heavenly focus. We put the old man to death. 
And now put on the new man. Be conformed to the image of our Savior. We were once clothed in sin, but now as new creations in Christ, we are clothed in righteousness. Do you know that the Lord sees you holy and righteous? He sees us through the shed blood of his Son, and he sees us redeemed and holy and forgiven. So let's begin there in Colossians chapter 3, beginning there at verse 1, looking at a heavenly perspective, living in light of eternity. And the first thing we're going to see Again, it's to set our mind on things above. Now, I want to read the last few verses of the last chapter because he's going to begin say, if, then. The word if there is better uh, interpreted as since. So since all these things in the previous few verses are true, let's begin there at verse uh, 20. Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, Why is through living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perishing with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have the appearance of wisdom and self-opposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body. But they are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So the things of the flesh are of no value. Adding to the gospel is error. And he said, so in light of all of those things, he says, since or if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is seating at the right hand of God. Since seeing the fact that you are risen with Christ, that you are a new creation in him, in light of the fact that you were, again, raised with him, born again. Back in verse 11 of the previous chapter, it says, In him you were also circumcised with circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him. So we've been raised with Christ. We were spiritually dead. We were born physically. Now we've been born again. And since we are filled with the Holy Spirit, since we've been raised in Christ, we ought to live different. We should have a different priority, different perspective than the world, different passions than the world, different passions than the people we used to be, different priorities than the people we used to, do, we used to be. And so here we are, and he's saying in light of all that Christ has done, in light of who we are in him, in him, in him, in light of his preeminence, it should change our behavior. Having been made alive together with Christ, based on our position in him, it should produce practical Christian living. It's all built upon the theological truth that we were raised in Christ. You know, if you, were, if you take a corpse and you put it next to a person who's alive, there should be a radical difference. Can I get an amen? And people who are spiritually dead and people who know Jesus Christ, the difference should be just as radical. The way that we live, the way that we, the priorities of our life, and again, the passions of our life should be radically different than those who do not know the Lord and who we were before we came to know the Lord. So how is it different? He says there, seek those things which are above. The word seek there is to seek for, to aim at, to strive after. It's been said that what you aim for, most often you will hit. And if you aim at nothing, you'll hit nothing. 
And too often as believers, there's no priority, there's no direction in our life. And you know where the direction comes from? It comes from the Holy Spirit, and it comes from time being spent in the Word of God. You know, if take, take your pandemic hours watching Netflix or Hulu or Disney+, Plus, and take your pandemic hours reading the Bible, which one's greater? Can I get an amen to that? And we need to read the Word of God, and if we read the Word of God, it gives us direction for life. It shows us where our priorities and our passion ought to be. And again, if you're aiming at nothing, you'll hit nothing. But if you're focused on, if you're seeking after the things of God, you will grow in your relationship with Him. The word there, to seek, is in a, a command form, to continually seek after the things which are above. We don't stop focusing on heaven. We don't focus for a while and then walk away from it. It should be the priority and the passion of our lives. Our focus needs to be heaven. You know why our focus needs to be heaven? Who's in heaven? Jesus is in heaven. And what's he doing right now? He's seated at the right hand of the Father, intercessing for you. I know I use the illustration a lot, bears repeating, but you know, they're going across the sea of Galilee. Jesus says we're going to the other side. And when the waves kick up, they panic because their focus is on the waves when their focus needed to be on Jesus. Guys, you're only panicking right now in the midst of this pandemic because you're worried about a flu bug instead of looking at our Savior. Can I get an amen to that? God is still in control. He is still faithful. He's all-knowing, almighty. By the way, he's also the great physician. Amen? He is the one who is the cure for everything. You know, there's a greater disease we need to be concerned about than the coronavirus and the disease or the, the infliction is called sin. You know, one out of every one person dies because that one out of every one person sins. And we should be as passionate about seeing people be redeemed from sin, way more passionate than we are worried about the coronavirus. Look, we need to be good stewards. Romans 13, we want to submit to the authorities God's placed over us. By the way, if they outlaw church, we're breaking that law every single time. Can I get an amen to that? And by the way, church is essential no matter what anybody says. It's far more important than Planned Parenthood or the liquor store or these other things they deem essential. There's nothing more essential than our relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Nothing comes before that. So here he is. He says, look, he's telling them you're being distracted by all these things going on in the world, all this false teaching, people adding to the gospel. Remember the preeminence of Christ and keep your eyes on heaven. Keep your eyes on the eternal. Guys, that's what we need, we need to do. Because guys, guess what? We have the answer. We have the antidote to the death serum. It's Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead. Amen? It's better than any vaccine that Bill Gates will ever come up with. Can I get an amen to that? What we need is we need to be inoculated with the Holy Spirit. We need to be born again. We need to be you know, covered in the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Guys, that's the, the cure for what ails our world today. Amen? More than anything else. And you know, my prayer is that God will use what we're going through now to get people on our knees to keep us humble, broken, and desperate. And guys, to get our eyes, quit doing this and start doing this. Quit looking around and start looking up. And that's the exhortation Paul's giving to the church in Colossae because they're so focused on the world around them and all the other teaching that was going on and they need to get their eyes off the world and get their eyes back on the Lord. I think that's a word for all of us. You know, I got to study this all week and I was being reminded every day, Dave, take your eyes off the world, keep your eyes on me. And that's my exhortation for all of us. While, while indeed Christ alone paid the price for our salvation, apart from any good works done by us, 
That's so true. So Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. The Lord doesn't need us. We need him. That being said, if we've truly been born again, works don't save us, but works are fruit of salvation. Can I get an amen? And right now, we have such a great opportunity to represent Christ well. You, you might have neighbors that can't go to the store. Do something simple. Go bless them. We can do things that, you know, if we give a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, that's a reward that, we'll, that we will receive in heaven. Guys, right now, we have an opportunity to let people see Jesus in us. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord, and let's be faithful to the stirring of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 6 says this, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Guys, I pray we would never be satisfied with a safe soul and a lukewarm walk. I pray we'd never be happy that we got a get-out-of-hell-free card in our wallet and we're happy just to live like the world. Guys, we're in the world but not of the world. We minister to the world but have no fellowship with it. And right now, the world is in pain. The world is hurting. The world needs to be humbled. Can I get an amen to that? People that thought they were, that had the world by, their life by the tail, world by the tail, and then all of a sudden, a flu bug has got people recognizing that, you know, we could run out of food. There's things that could, our, our, our economy could crash. And here's the good news. If all of that falls apart, Jesus is still king. And he's still on the throne. And he's still faithful. And we're still going to heaven. Can I get an amen to that? And so we need to keep our eyes on the Lord. Keep our eyes on heaven where nothing has changed and God is still faithful. It says in Philippians, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The unsaved have a worldly focus because this is their home. Guess what? As born-again believers, heaven is our home. Amen? You know what? You can't take my home from me because my home's not here. You can't take away that which is really matters in my life because none of it is here. What matters is where we're headed and our heavenly focus. So why Christians should be focused, again, on heaven is because our Savior is there, because our home is there. We're just visitors here. We're literally aliens here. This is not our home. Heaven is. And you know what? Our, our heavenly home will never go bankrupt. Amen? Our heavenly home will never run out of, of food. Our heavenly home will never you know, be in a place where we're, we're going to die because once we're there, we'll never die. Amen? No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. And you know what else? The king of kings is on the throne and no one can vote him out of office. Can I get an amen to that? By the way, in heaven, there's going to be no division, none whatsoever, no social media, none of this nonsense. Amen? You know what? God will be on the throne. We'll all be worshiping the Lord. We'll all be one in Christ. Boy, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen? But until we get there, we've got a vapor of time to serve him. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. We have a vapor of time to serve the Lord, and may we be about it for his kingdom. Notice it even says there, have your mind on things above where Christ is. Do you ever think about the fact that you're going to hug Jesus one day? How long is that line going to be? Can I get an amen? We're going to hug our Savior. We're going to see the nail prints in his hands. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. Wow. You know, if somebody important were coming to your house for dinner, think how much you would prepare. Guys, there's a day coming. We're going to stand before the creator of the universe. We're going to see Jesus face to face. Man, I can hardly wait. Our Lord, our God, our Savior, and our King, the object of our affection should be our focus and the passion of our lives. The Bible says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? If your treasure is in something you can lose, 
you're going to be panicked. You're going to be fearful. You're going to be worried. You're going to be anxious at times. If your treasure's in heaven, you'll never lose it. You need never be fearful. No one can take it from you. And guys, we're going to be there. We're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. Can I get an amen to that? We're going to spend far more time in heaven than we spend here. And I have this sense of urgency in my heart that I've got a little bit of time to serve Jesus. And there's people all around me that need to hear about him. And I need not to be focused on how much toilet paper I have in the pantry. I need to focus on people needing Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? I need to focus on, on people that need the Lord. And this is a divine appointment. This reminds me of, this would be like if 9-11 went on for three months. Because people are, are concerned and worried and fearful. And God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And we can point him to the one who's in control and let him know that our God is faithful. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you check? Your stocks? Pop your phone on? How's the stock market doing this morning? Do we, do we focus on, on thinking about work, getting up and making a buck? And again, nothing wrong. We should be the hardest workers in the building. Or do we begin our day spending time with the Lord? Is he the first thing on your mind? Or does he come in behind the stock market and, you know, getting to the store, whatever else is on your mind right now? How much food do you have in the pantry? Guys, our focus needs to be on Jesus. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've been raised with Christ, the Bible tells us in this text here, raised with Christ. And being raised with him, our life is based in the spirit. We live from an eternal perspective. Christ is in heaven where our passion and our perspective should be. If the Lord is your treasure, you'll start your day with him. If the Lord is your passion. Years ago, God put this on my heart. Every day I begin the day with two words, yes, Lord. Before my feet hit the ground, it's just automatic. Yes, Lord. I want my first focus. I got it from the book of Samuel. Yes, Lord, your servant hears. May we start our day with him, amen? And you know what? When you start with yes, Lord, you don't worry so much about things that we know the Lord has control over. It says he is seated at the right hand of God. It's a place of holiness, but it's also a place of intercession. When they had the temple and the tabernacle, that the altar of incense and it was lit 24 hours a day and it, re- and it represented prayer going into the holy of holies and it's a picture of jesus because he had seated at the right hand of the father praying for you does that blow you away that the lord is praying for you interceding for you on your behalf you know i know when we get to heaven and we see the lord and we recognize how great he is we're going to say i would have prayed more if i knew you were this great can i get an amen when we get to heaven, no one's going to be bummed out. We're all going to be blown away. What are we going to do in heaven? Sit around and play harps on a cloud. No, we're going to hang out with the... By the way, there's gold in heaven. Gold is asphalt in heaven. I don't think we're going to notice because we're going to be looking at the Lord. Can I get an amen? And so, but right now, that should be our heart. We should be focused on heaven and the reality that God is in control and the fact that that is truly our home. And when we do, when that's where our treasure is, it's going to change our perspective in this life. The Bible says he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's why we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Well, I pray. Pray to who? Well, I'm praying for you. You're in my thoughts and prayers. Keep your thoughts, and if you're not praying to Jesus, keep those too. Can I get an amen? None of that means anything if we're not praying to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's why we pray in Jesus' name, not in Buddha's name. He's a dead idol. Can I get an amen? 
We don't pray in the names of the false prophets of this world. We don't put our faith in anything else but the Lord. And we pray to the Father in the name of the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, one of my favorite Bible verses, one of my maybe 20 or so life's verses, here it is. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. The word mind there, it really means affections. Set your affections on the things above. Uh, the affections, passions, occupied and focused on where Christ dwells now, where our home is. And then it says, not on the things of the earth. Focus on the eternal, not the temporary. The things that are going to pass away. You know what's crazy? People are panicked right now, and I believe that this last Easter, probably more people tuned in, you know, participated in the Easter service than at any time in the history of our country. I believe that's absolutely true. We know that President Trump tweeted out on Palm Sunday he was going to be watching Greg Laurie, and 1.3 million people watched Greg Laurie's service on Palm Sunday. That's a lot more than he gets in his building. Can I get an amen? So there were, God was doing a work, and God is doing a work. But here's the sad part. If and when we get through this pandemic and it's behind us, a lot of people will forget it the next day and go right back to the life they had before. And the reality is that we as believers, if we keep our mind on the Lord, we keep our mind focused on the things above and not on things of the earth, we're not going to have this roller coaster ride of faith. If things are good, if the bank account's good, if everything's wonderful, we're in a great mood, we're doing fine. If it's a pandemic, we're all scared to death and we're, we're hiding out and we're, we, we got this mentality and we, we go up and down with our circumstances, but that's not the believer. Guys, the Bible doesn't say the fruit of the Holy Spirit is happiness. It says it's joy. And joy has nothing to do with your circumstances and everything to do with who you are, whose you are, right? Who you are in Christ, whose you are, where your citizenship is, where you're headed. Guys, let's get our eyes from doing this and set our mind on things above. And guess what? We won't panic. And we won't be afraid. And you know what? At the same time, we'll also have a burden for those who do. And we'll be reaching out to them to point them to the Lord. Don't focus on the things of the earth. Not our wealth or our honor or our pleasure. Those are things that people focus on. Wealth, they want to be honored. They want to have pleasure, want comfort. And they, and they, you know, they want the focus of men. Affection should not be on houses and lands and possessions or fulfilling fleshly desires and pleasures. You know, the, the sad part is that when we focus on the earth, our relationship with the Lord is going to suffer. I'm thoroughly convinced from watching people and studying the Word of God that those who constantly realize that this world is not where their home is, uh, they're the ones that have peace. They're the ones that their walk with the Lord is steady. It's steadfast. Because you know what? The Lord never changes. Amen? The world does, the Lord doesn't. God is faithful. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. On the other hand, those who find happiness in what the world has to offer, they're perpetually frustrated. Again, you get, the new car smell wears off. Can I get an amen? That thing that brings them temporary joy is going to fade. The promotion at work, the, whatever that thing is, that new thing that comes along, eventually that, that's going to fade. But who we are in Christ will never change. The dreams that, that people pursue, they get them, and it's not really what they thought it would be. Nothing is quite right until we realize our dreams aren't here, they're in heaven. Our hope's not here, it's in heaven. Our peace isn't here, 
it's in heaven. A heavenly and eternally focused, not earthly, temporarily focused on that which is perishing and that which will never satisfy. I'm so excited about heaven. I get more excited every day because I have more and more people I love that are there. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like. Oh, Lord, thank you. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to have that folk. And here's, here's the one thing about, the only thing about heaven that, that breaks my heart is not everybody I love is going to be there. Not all of my coworkers are going to be there. Sadly, most people right now have rejected the Lord. The Bible says, broad is the road that leads to destruction, and most people are on that road. Do we care enough to reach out to them in love? You know why we don't reach out more? It's because we are so earthly focused, and we're afraid that someone might not like us. We're afraid we might not be popular. We're afraid we might miss out on a, on a job promotion or something else because we stand bold. Look, you can be bold and be loving at the same time. Can I get an amen to that? Too often we think you can be bold or you can be loving. We need to be both. Let's be bold for the kingdom of God. Let's be loving and kind and gracious. We need to keep the right things in our minds. We need to keep our eyes on the right things. It says in Hebrews 12, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Guys, think about what Jesus did for you. Think about the depths of his love for you. We are surrounded by so great a, great a cloud of witnesses. It's not that the angels are watching us. It's the testimonies that have gone before us. That's what that text means. We see the example of all these believers who lived sold out for the Lord and how they were used mightily by God. And that should be a testimony to us to keep our... Do, do we ever see Peter or Paul talking about how bummed they are? They don't, they're not making a lot more money. Do we ever see anybody in the Bible mentioning that? We don't see that. What we see is their burden for the lost. You know, by the way, Paul's writing this letter from prison. And he doesn't talk about it. He's, you know what he sees as a greater problem than him being in prison? False teaching going on in a church in Colossae. That's a greater disturbing, disturbance to his heart than him sitting in prison. He could go out the next day and have his head taken from him. But Paul had seen heaven and you cannot threaten him with heaven. Can I get an amen? Same reason he went right back into Lystra after he was stoned to death. He got a glimpse of heaven. He came back. Dude, heaven's better. Bring the rocks. I'm good. Why? We need to have that eternal perspective. Lord, help us to set our mind on things above and not on things of the earth. How do you set your mind on things above? How do you do that? What's the practical way to do that? I just wrote four things down here. By spending time in the Word of God. I've never opened my Bible, got done, and been disappointed. Not one time. There's times when I've been too busy to open my Bible and I've been disappointed in myself. Can I get an amen to that? You want to grow spiritually? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Secondly, spending time in prayer. And I'm not talking about the holy missiles over your Wheaties. Can I get an amen to that? I'm not talking about the, the eight second prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this food. In Jesus name, amen. You know, not that, but truly stopping, turning off everything else, getting on our knees, spending time in God's presence. And you know what happens? When your focus is on heaven, when your focus is on the Lord, you're setting your mind on things above. That's how we do that. Thirdly, by spending time with things that build us up in our relationship with the Lord instead of merely entertaining ourselves. Too often, we got all this time in our hands. 
What an opportunity. Can I encourage you? We might, I don't know how much longer this is going to last. I would encourage you to, to make a, a, a goal of, I'm going to read the entire New Testament before this is over. I'm going to read the entire Bible before this is over. I'm going to spend time in God's Word before this is over. That's what I'm going to do. Or I'm going to reach out to these 10 of my unsaved friends before this is over. Let's set our mind on things that are eternal. Not, I'm going to, I'm going to watch every episode of Breaking Bad on Netflix before this is over. <laughs> set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. Can I get an amen to that? The other thing, too, is by gathering with others in the Lord. So time in the Word, time in prayer, time in fellowship, time focused on things that are eternal. Fellowship, I know it's harder right now, but if you're part of this, even if you're not a part of this fellowship, we have prayer Wednesday nights, we have prayer Sunday mornings, we have women's study Saturday morning, we have men's study Saturday morning, we have Friday night uh, youth group, we have uh, ongoing text message, text streams where John Chambers has been giving us devotions every morning. Can I get an amen? Sharing verses, and then everybody talks about them. We interact with each other. Guys, fellowship is, is easy if we reach out. If we sit back and wait for someone to come knock on our door, it might not happen. Let's make an effort. Can I get an amen? Let's reach out. Let's spend time with the Lord. Now, why should we set our mind on things above? Why is this significant in verse 3? For you died. For you died. You're dead. The you used to be died. Can I get an amen to that? You died to the person you used to be. That person is dead. In Greek, it literally means you died once and for all. We're new creations in Christ. Again, the person we used to be is gone. That salvation, we were, it's called regeneration. For I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead to the person I used to be. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, and I must die daily to my fleshly desires. That, that, those pursuits of things that are passing away that won't matter in eternity. So you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You no longer belong to the world. You belong to the Lord. You're hidden with Christ, which means your security and your satisfaction is in Him. It's not your bank account. It's not your stock, stock market. It's not your health. It's not your job. It's not your career. It's Christ. Guys, that's where our security is. That's where our hope is. And that will never change. So our security and our hope should never go away. Can I get an amen to that? If you're focused on something you can lose, if your hope is in something you can lose, guess what? You won't have hope for very much longer. You know, the Bible tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God, as we just read. Nothing can separate us from Him. Our life is in Christ. That means Satan cannot separate you from the love of God. Amen? The economy can't separate you. Uh, the coronavirus cannot separate you from the love of God. Cannot. The Lord loves you. He's faithful. The word hidden there talks about Him overshadowing us. Our sin is hidden and overshadowed in Christ. Our old man has been crucified with Christ. Guys, I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're being reminded of who we are in the Lord. I hope you're reminded where our treasure really is and where our home really is. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then we'll also appear with him in glory. Notice it says, Christ, who is our life. Someone says, someone, someone says to you, what is your life about? If you're a Christian, there's only one answer to that question. Christ. Can I get an Amen. Your life is about Christ. It's hidden in Christ. That's the priority and passion of our life. 
Can you say that? Christ is my life? I see the most important thing. One of my life's verses, Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm trying to describe what that verse means to me to this pastor day's opinion. And I tell people what that means. It doesn't mean Christ is first in my life. It means he's first, he's 100th, he's 1,000th, he's 1 millionth, and he's every number in between. Christ is my life. And that's what this text is saying. Christ is your life. As Christians, we're not just people who, you know, again, put the get out of hell free card in our wallet and go to church for an hour every other week unless there's a football game on. It's not, Christ is not just some religious thing that we do over here on the side. Christ is the priority and the passion of our life. Christ is our life. And that's what he is saying here to believers. Not just our Savior, but our Lord. For me to live as Christ and to die as gain. The greatest desire we should have is for intimate fellowship with God. Do you know you're as close to God as you want to be? He's not hiding from you. He's not pulling himself away from you. We pull away from him. We get so focused on other things. We get so caught up in things that are temporary. We don't spend time in his presence. We look up and we realize we're not as close to God as we used to be. You can be as close to God as you want to be. It's entirely up to you. Living here now is Christ and to die, it's better. Can I get an amen? You know, Christians die well. We close our eyes on earth, we open them up in, in glory. We don't die, we just move to a much better neighborhood. Amen? And I'm, so, I'm looking forward to it. We don't have to fear death. Death has no sting for the believer. You know why people are concerned about the pandemic? You know why they want the 99.5% of the people that are healthy to stay home because they're fearful for the other people that might get sick? Because they're fearful that the people who get sick are going to die and that's it. Guys, for us, death has no sting. Now we need to be, again, let's be good stewards. Let's be mindful of other people. Let's not be selfish. But at the same time, we shouldn't have a heart like the world does, panicking over a disease. People have asked me, is this the great tribulation? Uh, no. This is cake compared to the Great Tribulation. This is a flu bug. You had any 120 pound hailstones falling from the sky? On fire? See any of those? If you, if you see some of those, give me a call. By the way, we won't be here for that. Amen? Has, has a third of the world's population died in a single day? Uh, no. Has, have, the, have the waters all turned, you know, a high percentage of the waters turned bitter? Are there locusts coming up out of the ground and stinging people till they... No, guys, this is not the great tribulation, amen? But you know what it is? It's a wake-up call because the Bible talks about birth pangs. And there are famines right now, there are earthquakes, and people say there always have been, but all these things are happening. We've been, our, the world's economy has been brought to its knees by a flu bug. What do you think is going to happen when the great tribulation really takes place? Guys, we don't put our faith in anything else but the Lord. Our life is no longer in the world, but in Christ. We're dead to the old men. We're new creations in Christ. I heard this story years ago. I actually, I love this. I don't share a lot of these kinds of things, but it was, I heard a story about two sisters who enjoyed attending parties, kind of wild parties, and then they gave their lives to Christ. And they got an invitation to go to another party. And they responded on the RSVP, we regret, we regret that we cannot attend because we recently died. And I love that because they died to the person they used to be and now they're a new creation in Christ. Like, can you imagine reading that? You recently died. How did you write me the letter if you're dead? I don't understand. But guys, that's the perspective. We died to that person. We're new creations in Christ. Our priorities are different. Our passions are different. Praise God for it. There's a story of St. Augustine who ended up getting saved. Before he got saved, he was kind of a rebel. 
And he, talks, he tells a story, he's walking down the street, and there was a prostitute he used to visit before he got saved. And as he was walking by, she was calling out his name, calling out his name. And she kept saying, you know, hey, it's me, it's me, it's me. And without breaking stride, according to the story, he kept walking. He said, yeah, but it's no longer me. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not the person that did that anymore. Guys, we're new creations in Christ. Our priorities change. Our passions change. We're dead to the person we used to be. May we follow him. Notice it says at the end of that verse, then you will also appear with him in glory. You know what? Jesus is coming back. And do you know that before he comes back, he's going to snatch the church away? Do you know that nothing else needs to happen for the church to be taken? You know, it's Revelation 2 and 3, the church age, John is called up into the presence of God. That's where we get the word harpazo, where we get the word for rapture, rapturo. And he says he looks down in the rest of Revelation, he's looking from above. And guys, that time's coming. That seven-year period is coming. We're going to be snatched away first. But do you know that we're going to come back with him? And when we come back with him, we're going to rule and reign with him for a thousand years. Guys, we can't come back with him until he snatches us to heaven first. Can I get an amen? We either die or we get called to heaven first. And so he's, look, we're going to, notice at the end of that verse, it says, we will appear with him in glory. So we're now hidden in him, and one day we'll be coming back with him. Praise the Lord. Knowing he's coming should change our perspective on everything. Some don't want Christ to come yet. They don't want to be raptured yet. You know, the rapture can wait. I want to get married first. The rapture can wait. I'm looking for that promotion. The rapture can wait. I've got a big cruise planned. Uh, Not anymore. But uh, the reality is, cruise ships are all done. But the reality is that those things that we think are so important, we could only possibly think that if we don't really fully grasp how great heaven's going to be. Amen? Because when we get to heaven, it's going to blow doors on, on the cruise of the Caribbean. Can I get an amen? When we get to heaven, all those things that we think are important, come quickly, Lord Jesus, I'm ready. Amen? Yeah, if I've, I'd love to have some more grandkids. That'd be great. I'd love to watch my grandkids grow up. You know what I'd rather see? I'd rather hang out in heaven with my grandkids. Can I get an amen? It's been an eternity hanging out with them. There's no way we're going to get through this whole thing. But so... The first thing, living in light of eternity, set your mind on things above, a heavenly, eternal perspective, because we are raised with Christ, we're made alive in him, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Set your mind on things above. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Point number two, put off the old man. So knowing that we're going to heaven, knowing that we're new creations in Christ, knowing that we died to the people we used to be, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to appear with him in glory. He's seated at the right hand of the Father praying for us. Our citizenship is in heaven. It ought to change how we live now. Now he's going to give us some pretty straight stuff. He's going to talk to them as they're surrounded by the world. They're being impacted by it. He's been again by telling them to put off the old man, to put to death the fleshly things of our lives that are contrary to the work of the cross. The heavenly focus should impact all of our earthly actions. So here's what he says. Verse 5, therefore, again, in light of everything we just said, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Therefore, in light of who we are in Christ, the promise of heaven, put to death your members on the earth. The word put to death there is mortify, to cease, to destroy, to make dead, to deprive of its power. So those things that were, you were wrapped up in before you gave your life to the Lord, those things need to die. We need to put them to death. And we can only do that as we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Setting our mind on things above, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, dead to sin, alive to Christ. And the following list 
It's not a man-made rules of legalism saying you've got to do all these things. Because remember, that was already taking place. You've got to be circumcised. and you gotta do... No, you've got to have this diet. You've got to worship on this day. No, but he's letting us know these are works of the flesh. And these are things that you need to put to death because you're no longer walking in, in the old body. You're no longer, you know, you're dead to that person and you're a new creation now in Christ. Now this list is kind of heavy. Let's read through it. Let's define what these sins are. You know what? When God gives us the law or he gives us rules in his word, it's not to keep us from fun, but to keep us from harm. And so when we read this list, he's not, you know, it's not a wall around Disneyland to keep us from having a good time. It's a guardrail to keep us from driving off the cliff. Can I get an amen? He knows that these things will lead to destruction. These things will harm you. And they're sin. They separate you from God. So let's begin here looking at the list. He said, your members which are on the earth. The first one is fornication. The word there is pornea, where we get the word pornography. Now, as believers, we are dead to the flesh. And here's the tragic thing. Pornography is a problem, not just in the world, but in the church. And if you're struggling with it, you know who you are, and you need to repent. Can I get an amen to that? One of the reasons pornography is so popular is because for the first time, people can do it in such great anonymity. And that's what Satan was after all along. People can do it on their phone. They can do it when nobody sees them. If they had to walk into a strip club, it would go way down because people would see them. And now the enemy will use that. And guys, God created, let me make it real clear. God created physical intimacy between, for one man and one woman who are married to each other. Can I get an amen? Anything outside of that is fornication. Amen? The, and it's one, and it's not just people who are married because they tried to redefine marriage. It's one man and one woman who are married to each other. Amen? And we live in a world today where it's so compromised. You know why? Because our entertainment, everybody's sleeping together. Every, view, every song that's out there, people are sleeping together. And so we've set our mind on the world's way of living instead of what the Word of God says. By the way, it's tragic that this is the case, but it's rare when two Christians get married that they've waited. Guys, that should not be so. Can I get an amen to that? Every time you're physically intimate with somebody, you're giving a piece of yourself away that belongs to your spouse that needs to stop. God's way is always worth the wait. Amen? It's not easy. It's always worth it. By the way, ladies, any guy who's pressuring you to be physically intimate with him before you're married is not the guy God has for you. Amen? Bring him down to the church and the pastors will talk to him in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? The reality is that the man God has for you will respect you. He will protect your virtue. Can I get an amen? He won't even want the appearance of evil. And those men are rare because too many men are focused on the world when they ought to be focused on the Lord. Quit looking at guys who are swiping left and right to, to have a relationship with you and look for a man who's on his knees pursuing God who will honor you and will cherish you the way you deserve to be cherished. Can I get an amen to that? And sadly, that's the world we live in today. It says pornography, fornication. This needs to be put away from you. Illicit sexual intimacy included in that is adultery homosexuality, all of it. It's wrong. It's sinful. Do we love fornicators? What's the answer? Praise God. Amen. Because that covers most of us. Amen. 
But the reality is, we can love the, the sinner, but we can still say the sin is sin. Homosexuality is perversion. Amen? Do we love homosexual people? Absolutely. Do we want to see them saved? Absolutely. Most of them, something happened in their past that just rewired the way they think about physical intimacy. A lot of them were molested as children. It's a nightmare. It's a mess. Jesus loves you. Can I get an amen? And what he has for you is better. By the way, same is true. There's no excuse for looking at pornography. There's no excuse for being out, going outside of your marriage. Adultery is something that the enemy created. Marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. He's faithful to us. We need to be faithful to him and faithful to our spouses. Amen? Fornication. Uncleanness is the next word there. It's a moral sense. It's a lustful impurity that's connected with luxury and loose living. You want to see uncleanness? Just flip to your TV. Watch any reality show, for the most part, filled with uncleanness. Amen? Where it's all about feeding the flesh and feeding the lust that I have and and. You know, and here's the reality too. We'll even enter into relationships and we'll try to make the person the person they need to be instead of saying, I'm going to wait for God's highest. Uncleanness is rampant, it's tragic, and unfortunately, it's the way most people live. Connect, again, pursuit of just luxury and also loose living. Notice it says next to that, passion. The word passion there is an, effect, an affliction of the mind, emotion, a state of mind that excites sexual impurity. See, the passion, we should only have passion for one, well, two things, the Lord and our spouse. Can I get an amen to that? Our passion is on those that God has created for us to have a passion for. And the enemy wants you to take your passion away from the Lord and away from your spouse and put it on something else. And he says, when you became a new creation in Christ, you died to those things. And you need to put those things to death daily. Look, as Christians, do we still struggle with these sometimes? We can that's why every day we need, to spend, we need to begin on our knees. Lord, help keep me, my mind focused on you today. Lord, help me to walk in, in holiness and faithfulness and obedience to your word. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord, when temptation comes to resist the devil, knowing he will flee from me. I know your word tells me that when there's temptation, you make a way of escape. Help me, Lord, to walk in the center of your will. That should be the heart of the believer. Notice the next word there, evil desire. Again, evil the, of a bad nature. It's something that's base, wrong, wicked, troublesome, destructive. And sadly, too much of the world today is focused on things that are destructive. We are focused on things that are holy and pure and righteous and just. Be careful with what you allow to entertain you. I'll see Christians post songs and they're dancing to them and stuff and you go, whoa, and the songs are just ungodly. And we live in a world where it's just, I just like the beat. Well, guess what? Where your treasures there, your heart will be also. And I don't like that stuff. It's nonsense. Can I get an amen to that? When God's name is cursed, it should have no part of us. Amen? Where people are mocking or, 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 def- or talking about women in, in ways that are unbecoming, it's not okay. We should not be entertained by the very sins Christ was di- that Christ died for. Amen? And, if you, and what happens is when you're entertained by it, you become desensitized to it. You know that most people that go to church think that homosexual marriage is okay? You know why? Because they've been entertained by it so long that somehow now they think it's okay. It becomes acceptable. The first time I heard about a drive-by shooting, I was blown away. And now you hear about one every single day and you get desensitized. Not that you think it's okay, but you have a diff- you're not shocked by it. Guys, as Christians, we ought to be shocked by this. Can I get an amen? This stuff's not okay. It's not acceptable. We died to that. 
Well, I like doing that. Why question your salvation to some degree? Because you know why? If you love the Lord and you're doing that, you're going to be convicted. Amen? And if there's no conviction, there's been no conversion. Amen? That's concerning. A lot of people are going to stand before the Lord and he's going to say, depart from me for I never knew you. Why? Because guys, if your entertainment, if your priorities, if your passions, if the things you watch, if the things you spend your time on, if the Lord's not in, the, in there anywhere, if we videotaped you for a week, everything you said and did, and we put you on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would they see you reading the Bible? Would they see you in prayer? Would they see you sharing your faith? Would they see you showing love and kindness and mercy to people? Or would they see you being, being entertained by the very sins Christ died for? And stuff come, Guys, we're called to be different than the world. We've died to the people we used to be. And again, I'm not making this a list of legalistic things. These are things he tells us that this is what dead people do. This is where corpses hang out. You're not dead anymore. Corpses hang out there. You don't hang out there. Notice what's next. So far, it's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm faithful to my wife. I don't do that kind of stuff. Covetousness. Uh, Calabasas, about two months ago, was identified as the wealthiest city in America. Think some people in, in Calabasas covet some stuff? Uh, I think so. And I think we all do to some degree if we're not careful. Covetousness, again, is it's a greedy desire to have more. The Bible says that godliness with contentment is great gain. And we need to learn to be thankful for what we already have. Can I get an amen? One of the reasons I love going on mission trips to third world nations is I come home and I realize yet again just how blessed I am. Amen? We are so blessed. We have so much. And yet some of us are discontented because we want more. And it's all going to burn. Can I get an amen? You've heard me say we're fighting over deck chairs in the Titanic right? The ship's going down. We ought to be getting in the lifeboat, not worried about how, you know, how sweet our, uh, our deck chair is, or how nice our house is, or the car that we drive, or whatever it might be. Guys, our focus needs to be on the eternal. And then he finishes up that verse, not only covetousness, again, desiring things. Again, things, by the way, we spend, we spend money we don't have on things we don't need to impress people we don't know. Can I get an Amen. And you get, now you have a bunch of debt, and now you got the golden handcuffs, and now you can't serve the Lord because you've got to work extra hours to pay off the debt for the stuff that's all going to burn anyway. And he's saying, you know what? Covetousness is not something that should be in the life of a believer. And then finally he says idolatry. Covetousness, which is idolatry. In a sense, all things are idolatry because they become the passions that drive and motivate us. When anything becomes your primary drive and motivation above the Lord, that is an idol in your life that needs to go away or needs to be reprioritized. Now, an idol can be your job. An idol can be your career. Okay, get ready. Your idol can be your grandkids. I love my grandkids so much. My, my daughter sends me a video of my grandkids. I just, I'm a crying mess. I love them so much. But you know what? I love Jesus more and I love my grandkids. Amen? And do you know what, though? Because I love Jesus more, I think I'm a better papa. Amen? We don't want to have anything that takes priority over our relationship with the Lord. When my son-in-law and my daughter moved to Colorado to plant a church, a lot of family was very upset that they did that. And I, I'm admit, I said, I'm going to miss you, but you're doing the right thing. You put the call of God above your own comfort. Amen? You make him the priority. Idolatry is putting anything in our life in front of the Lord. Then he goes on to say in verse 6, Because of these things... The wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Oh, oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, I, I think I tuned in the wrong week. 
This is heavy. He gives you the list. Oh, by the way, wrath of God's coming. Now, this is a Pastor Dave definition of wrath. It's just, I'll give it to you this way, but it's something God put on mark 20 years ago. And here's how I define the wrath of God. It is a holy and consistent reaction to that which is contrary to the nature and the will of God. The wrath of God, God doesn't blow a head gasket and respond in anger. It's a holy and consistent reaction to that which is contrary to the nature and the will of God. If we shake our fists at God, if we walk in direct disobedience to the word of God, if we go out and we lust of the flesh and we do whatever our flesh wants and then righteous judgment comes, that's not God's fault, that's ours. We're the ones who choose to disobey God and then when the consequences come, we want God to rescue us. And the reality is, the wrath of God does not come upon obedience. Does it come? Now, is, is Paul in prison? Is that the wrath of God? No. That's consequences of him being obedient to the Lord. Amen? He's being persecuted. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for my name's sake. But so they did the prophets who went before you. Paul's sitting in prison because he's obeying. But I found in my life and most people's lives, we're in trouble not because we're obeying God, but because we disobeyed God. Can I get an amen to that? Because we got outside of his will, we made other things a priority and a passion in our lives, and all of a sudden we're, we're in this mess, and we want God to rescue us. And you know what? The graciousness of our God, sometimes he does when we don't deserve it. Can I get an amen to that? But here he is, he's exhorting them. He's letting them know in this verse, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Sin has consequences. Amen? Now look, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy, but there's not a doubt in my mind that some of what's going on in the world right now is consequences of our actions. Can I get an amen? When we have ceased to cry out to the Lord, when we have put our focuses on other things, God loves us enough to sometimes allow the difficulties to come so we'll get our eyes back on Him. Amen? And here we have this exhortation Reminder that the wrath of God is coming. Because the world loves this kind of sinful lifestyle, they don't come in humility to the Lord. And as they continue in these sins, it adds to their condemnation. And one day that sin will be enough to send you to hell. I tuned into the show and he's talking about hell. He already picked on all, the, all my favorite things to do and now he's talking about hell. Here's the reality. Heaven is real. Heaven is better. Hell is a consequence of disobeying God and putting our lusts and our fleshly desires above the Lord. We were all sinners. We all deserved hell. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loves you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. Guys, if you're living that lifestyle, how's that working out for you? Got a lot of peace, living a, a life, sleeping around and doing drugs and drinking and partying and fornicating and chasing after the world. You know what? Uh, the good news is that the Lord can forgive you for all of it. Today can be the day of salvation. Being a Christian is better. Amen? Walking with the Lord is better. Having, being filled with, I don't need the spirits, I got the spirit. Amen? It's better. And here's the exhortation he's giving them, this church in Colossae, where they were getting off track. Again, who are you identified with? Whose behavior do you typify more, the world or the Lord? When people look at you, do they see Jesus or do they see someone who's just like the rest of the world? We'll get a couple more verses, then we'll stop. Verse 7. In, once, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. 
first of all, we should never be self-righteous and act like we're better than anybody. Can I get an amen to that? We're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. And he's reminding them that now, yeah, you're new creations in Christ, but you used to do all that stuff too before you gave your life to the Lord. And sometimes you did it after you gave your life to the Lord. So we shouldn't be self-righteous and condemning everybody. But we should point it to the fact that sin has consequences. And now as, as Christians, those things should not be said of us. And if they are said of us, it should be for a moment that drives us to our knees to repent and ask God to forgive us. Now, just in case you thought you were getting off, because I don't, I don't fornicate, I don't look at pornography, I'm really not that covetous, I'm pretty good. Uh, here's a verse for all of us, ready? Verse 7. In which you yourselves walked in them once lived, but now you yourselves are to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy language out of your mouth. Anger. I'm sure none of us ever gets angry. But as Christians, that, that should not be so. One of my favorite Bible verses I quote it often, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Amen? You never go out and get angry and make a bunch of really good decisions. I flew off the handle and made some great decisions. I got super angry, and my wife and I have never been closer. No, that's not what happens. When we get angry, we bring division. And these are things that should not be in the life of a believer. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. When anger comes, we need to, Lord, help me. I said this a long time ago. I think you can find out where someone is spiritually if you're standing next to them when they, if they hit their thumb with a hammer. Can I get an amen? Because out of the overflowing of a man's heart, his mouth speaks, and when someone's angry, you kind of see their character. If you hit yourself with a, if you know, a nail hits your thumb, your, your hammer hits your thumb, are, are explicitors flying out of your mouth? I saw a guy kind of get hurt pretty bad. We were playing softball on the church team, and he snapped his knee pretty bad. And, and we ran over to him, and he was laying on the ground, and the only thing he kept saying was, Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. There's the man who focuses on the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? Not, filth and foul, filth and foul. No, no, no. <laughs> Set your mind on things above. Where your treasures, there your heart will be also. Anger, wrath. Wrath is, again, for the Lord's wrath is a, is a holy thing. But our wrath is something that, we're, again, we're flying off the handle, where we, where we respond in a way that is not honoring to the Lord. Then he noticed the next thing he says there, along with wrath, malice, blasphemy. Guys, when we use Jesus' name, there's only one way it should be used, from a heart of worship. Can I get an amen? We, don't, we use his name to tell others about him. should never be a curse word. Amen. Blasphemy is slander. Uh, to another's good name. The Bible says a good name is better to be had than great riches. And when we talk about the Lord, it should be with awe and reverence. The word malice there speaks of an ill will, a desire to injure, depravity, wickedness. All these things come from one thing, being self-centered. You know why, you, you know why we get angry? Do you know why we want, to, we want to strike back? You know why we want vengeance? Because we value ourselves more than we should. And what I mean by that is when we esteem ourselves, how dare anybody talk to me that way? How dare anybody do that to me? I'm going to get even. And that's a response that's totally based in the flesh. Now let's look at this finally here. I think we have to get to nine and we'll stop. But notice it says here, filthy language out of your mouth. Out of the overflowing of a man's heart, his mouth speaks. Words don't slip out, they pour out from your heart. Can I get an amen to that? That's what the word of God tells us. 
And so, you know, yeah, I've been saved a while, but I still can't curb my, you know, and I still drop F-bombs, I felt that. Uh, that's a spiritual problem. Can I get an amen? If you are spiritually mature, if you're walking in a relationship with, your lo- with the Lord, foul language is going to be something that ceases to come out of your mouth. Amen? And we live in a world today that you're, you know, can, can sweet and bitter water flow from the same fountain? Can I praise God with one voice and then cuss like a sailor with the next one? Look, if you're a new, look, if someone's a new creation in Christ, I'll never forget this. We had this guy that just got saved in Santa Cruz, and he would come up to me. As a matter of fact, we had a guy here at this church years ago, and when he would pray with me, he would cuss. <laughs> and he, you know, he's a brand new Christian. You just, okay, I'm praying for you, bro. Can I get an amen to that? If you've been saved three weeks and you're struggling, I get it. Maybe even six months, I get it. You've been saved 15 years and swearing is still coming out of your mouth. It's time for you to repent. It's time for you to stop it. Can I get an amen to that? It's time for you to stop being around that environment and keep your eyes on the Lord and focus on Him. Yeah, I'll never forget. It just great blanket message, Pastor. Okay. <laughs> you just look at the guy, you put your arm around him and go, man, I love you, bro. Oh, man, let me pray for you. But you know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, we need to just stop it. I remember David Hawking telling a story of a guy came up to him and he prayed to stop smoking. And he had done it like three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row, can I help stop smoking? So David finally reached over and grabbed the cigarettes out of his pocket and he switched them all and threw them in the garbage. He said, let's go to your car. And he walked out to his car and he found he had a, case, a carton of cigarettes. He took them all and threw them in the trash. And he's like, well, dude, what are you doing, man? I'm praying that God will help me stop. This is how you stop, bro. Can I get an Amen. Don't just keep praying about it. Do something about it. Can I get an amen? Pray about it and step out in faith. I think sometimes we have all kinds of excuses, and sometimes we just need to respond and say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me, and then take the actions. If you have a problem with anger, stop it. Ask God, have people hold you accountable. Spend time in the presence of the Lord. Open up the word of God. Spend time with him, and your problem with anger will go away. Well, I know we, we could keep going. Because <laughs> where are you going? But I won't do it. You know what? Let's just do verse 9 and we'll stop. Like I said, we got extra time. You don't even have a commute. You didn't have to drive over here. I, I get that 15 minutes. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> Look at verse 9. Because this is the last of putting off the old man. And here's another one, guys. So far, you might, have, you might have gone through the whole list. Look at verse 9. Do not lie to one another. Since you've put off the old man with his deeds, do not lie. I went online and did surveys on what percentage of people lie. And one of them, was, the lowest one I saw was 74% of the people interviewed said they lie on a regular basis. One of them, 94% of the people said they lie on a regular basis. The other 6% were lying, right? But the reality is, the reality is people lie. And lying is not something that should be a part of a believer, amen? We need to, do you know you can lie by saying nothing? by letting somebody believe something that's not true? Do you know exaggerating is lying? And by the way, have you ever noticed how the world loves to try to make sin sound not so bad? I'm not fornicating, I'm having an affair. Like it's a catered affair or something, right? I, I, it's just a little white lie, right? Uh, I wonder who made that up, a liar, right? Uh, you know, a half-truth is a whole lie, amen? And lying is something that Christians should not do. And we need to be careful, I found out that the older I get, the better I was. Anybody else besides me? And sometimes we look back at, at things in the past and we have this old, whole understanding of who we were. No, we need, to, we need to be honest. We need to be truthful. We, need, we remain humble, broken, and desperate. Amen? And Paul 
says to put to death these things, the sins of the flesh. And here in verses 8 and 9, the sins of the tongue, anger and lying. Our tongue, the Bible says the tongue is like a small rudder. It steers the whole ship. You know, the greatest instrument, I think, of, of sin in most of our lives is our tongue. Gossip, you know, filthy language out of our mouth, coarse jesting, telling lies, letting people believe things that aren't true. It says in Ephesians 4, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one body. Who's the father of lies? Satan's the father of lies. Who's the truth? So if you lie, you're being Satan-like. And if you tell the truth, you're being Christ-like. Amen? That's heavy. In a list of the seven things the Lord hates, we'll finish with this. There's seven things. Now, he, he hates more than this, but he talks about seven things he hates. Lying's on here twice. There's only seven things and lying's on here twice. Here they are. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run swiftly to eagle, a false witness who tells lies. It's on her twice. And then one who sows discord among the brethren, usually by telling lies, right? But the reality is God hates it, and we should hate it. And pride, murder, wickedness, evil, once each, lying twice. You know why? Because lying is a, it was a more prevalent problem. Most of us aren't going to kill anybody, I would hope. But We've all struggled with lying at some point. Can I get an amen to that? And we need to be careful. Because Jesus is the truth. We want to be Christ-like. We want to speak the truth. We want to do it in love. We don't want to exaggerate. Lying is indeed an, academic, an, uh, an epidemic. You talk about an epidemic, it's lying. It's not the coronavirus. Can I get an amen to that? Uh, husbands lie to their wives. Children lie to their parents. Employees lie to their employers. Taxpayers lie to the IRS. Can I get an Amen. And whenever we do that, we're disobeying the word of God. And the Bible says that God hates it. These are seven things he hates. He hates lying. That should not be evident in our lives. You know, we've been desensitized over the years. Again, lying is stretching the truth. It's fibbing. It's a little white lie. It's juicy gossip. It's exaggerating. Lying is another misrepresentation, again, of the truth. And lying can take the place even when the words are accurate. Tone gesture, deceiving. We all lie by saying nothing again sometimes, and again, a half-truth is a whole lie. How does God feel about lying? We'll close with this. Ananias and Sapphira, ask them. <laughs> Acts chapter 5, they walked in and proclaimed they gave so much to the Lord, and then, you know, they told him, and then the husband dropped dead, and his wife came in behind him, and did you do so-and-so? And yes, I did, and they dropped dead. Well, they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. They were lying. They were saying they gave something they didn't give. But God is very clear how he feels because he is the truth. Satan is a deceiver, and Christians should be proclaimers of the truth. We should not be deceiving people. Can I get an amen? I sell advertising for a living. A lot of people in sales lie. Tell the truth. God will bless it. Can I get an amen? Do the truth. Tell the truth. Be honest. Be faithful. In Adam, we were fallen we were dead. Since you put the old man to death, this is something that should not be evident. Do not lie to one another since you put the old man to death with his deeds. So we'll close right there. So a heavenly perspective, set your mind on things above. A heavenly eternal perspective because we were raised with Christ. We made made alive with him. We're to set our mind on things above, not on things of the earth. We're to aim to live a holy and set apart life, spend time in God's presence, seek his face, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And because we've been born again, we need to put off the old man. 
We put to death the fleshly things in our lives that are contrary to the identity of Christ. Quit using the world as your example of how to live. Use Jesus Christ as your example. Can I get an amen to that? Use the word of God as your example. Well, the world, I've had Christians tell me this. Well, Pastor Dave was 2020, man. You know, that, those laws about, you know, not fornicating. Well, that was written 2,000 years ago. It's just as sinful today. Can I get an amen? Sin doesn't change. God's word doesn't change. Sodom and Gomorrah, how'd that work out? Sexual immorality run rampant. By the way, days of Noah, same thing. Guys, and I want to tell you something. Great, all, the, all these great nations have fallen apart when they condone homosexuality. As soon as we condone fornication, as soon as we shake our fists at God, as soon as we cease to be humbled and broken over our sin, we cease to be a country that's going to exist much longer. We need to get our eyes back on Jesus, amen? We want to see revival? Let's get our eyes on things above and not on things of this earth. You want to have joy in the midst of this pandemic? Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, amen? Lord, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. I think of everyone's patience today. But Lord, we, we read these words. We don't want them to just flow by us, but to wash over us. Lord, we want to be the men and women of God who represent you well. Not that we'll ever be perfect. We're all sinners saved by grace. But Lord, we, we should look at our sin and be grieved by it. Help us to set our mind on things above, on heaven, on eternity not on things that are passing away. And Lord, the things that the world identifies as pleasurable, may they not be set, mentioned in our names. May we, may we honor your name and honor your word. May we not be blasphemers and liars and angry, fornicators, filled with wrath. We shouldn't be surprised when people who don't know you act like they don't know you, but Lord, we should be surprised when those of us who are filled with your Holy Spirit would live lives like that and not feel convicted. Lord, bring conviction to areas of our life that where something needs to change. I pray that in my own life. If there's anything in my life that I don't even recognize needs to change, show me. I want to walk in the center of your will. Lord, give us a heart of holiness for us and grace for everyone else. Help us, Lord, to walk in the center of your will, to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. Lord, we know none of this is, is possible apart from the empowering work of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we pray less of us, more of you, Help us to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. If there's areas in our lives that we were described today, that we're living in right now, may we repent right now. May we turn away from those and by the power of your Holy Spirit, leave them behind forever. Lord, we ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Is he worthy to be worshiped? Hey, it's practice for heaven. Amen. Let's get up and worship.